Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast committed to helping you create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your gifts. I'm grateful today to have Dave Alvin, who has got amazing stuff to tell us. Welcome to the show, Dave. Thanks, Kellen. So great to be here. Appreciate it. You are just welcome. I love what we've talked about ahead of time, and you've told me yeah. plenty for two or three episodes to get start with, started with. So I'm going to start in a place before you tell the story, and I'm just going to ask a question. You do amazing and difficult things or help people do amazing and difficult things. Walk on fire, and we'll get to the how we got there in a minute. I want to know what in Dave's heart makes him want to help people in this fashion to discover and do an incredible mm. thing what in your heart makes you want to do this um well if i think about my mom you know putting me up for adoption at a young age and it was a, the ultimate act of love uh and how i framed that at the time uh and then if i move forward into my own recovery uh as i I grew up, I, you know, my parents drank uh, that adopted me and I started drinking and I started drinking at a really young age, around 11. That led to, as I progressed into my teens into hard drugs, cocaine, uh, heroin, alcohol, cigarettes. I was addicted to all of those things. And, and then, uh, uh, you know, on June 8th of 1988, I woke up that morning and I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I couldn't. I was in so much physical and emotional pain that I just couldn't stand it anymore. So uh, I'm married to a woman at the time. She has three kids. They were my stepkids. And as I'm, you know, negotiating with myself, if you will, to put a bullet in my head, because I know that if I do that, the pain stops. And, you know, and I wasn't concerned about anything other than the pain stopping because it hurt that bad. But then I thought, well, wait a minute. You know, if I pull that trigger, these kids are going to have to live with that. They're going to suffer. They're going to, you know, I didn't even know what PTSD was back then, but I knew that I'm thinking, you know, it's going to go through the school. It's going to be a really, really horrible experience for them. So I'm like, you can't do that. They don't deserve that. And so now I'm almost angry at them because I, you know, I still want the pain to go away. Well, the next thing I know, I have this thought pop into my head, call Alcoholics Anonymous. And you know what's interesting, Kellen? I didn't even know who AA was really at that moment. All I knew was that there was the name and I had a phone in my hand. And so I called them and they did a wonderful thing. They sent a man to come pick me up. He took me to three meetings that day. Uh, I'm sorry, four. I went to a 1230, a 430, a 630 and an 830. And so I had enough AA in me that first day to come back the second day. And then a third day. Well, that led to, you know, one month. And then at one month, they gave me a medallion. For, for 30 days. And then they gave me one at two months, three months, six months, nine months. And then after a year of continuous sobriety, I got the one year chip. 
So that was on June 8th of 1988. And, you know, here in a couple of months in June of this year, I'll have 35 years. So what I learned, some of the greatest lessons in life I learned in AA by applying the 12 steps, which allow you to, which help you put your life back together and, and take care of the wreckage of the past. And then you have the 12 traditions who kind of show you how to interact with the group and AA as a whole, what to say, what not to say, these kinds of things. And right in the middle is called the preamble. And the preamble, I remember reading one part that said, when anyone anywhere reaches out for help, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I'm responsible. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And so I fell in love with becoming a gatekeeper. So when new guys would come in, you know, I would greet them. I would talk to them. I'd ask them questions and get them acclimated into the group and start what I called the package deal, I would tell them. You know, you need to come to 90 meetings in 90 days. Uh, you need to work the steps. You need to get a sponsor. You need to come every day and allow this program to change your life on a grand scale. And I'd also tell them, look, and after 90 days, if you don't like it, you don't want to be here, not a problem. We'll refund your misery in full. <laughs> so, <laughs> right? Refund your misery in full. Love it. Yeah, right. And so I just fell in love with that. And then I had guys that were sponsoring me that started getting me involved and we did 12 step calls, right? So just like me, when I called in, they set somebody to pick me up. Same thing there. I started taking those calls. I started going out. We started picking up guys, bringing them to meetings. Uh, they, I got involved with uh, meetings in hospitals. I got involved with meetings in institutions, prisons, uh, you name it. Anything. I was total immersion. I was all in. And I just changed my addiction for drugs and alcohol for this newfound wonderful addiction called Alcoholics Anonymous. And that just led me to this, to your question, that my heart was so full. And, you know, and in an AA, it's not, you know, this isn't the Qantas Club. This isn't the Chamber of Commerce here, right? These people's lives are on the line. So I understood the responsibility that if we don't do this and we don't help these guys, they're going to die. And they're going to die a horrible, excruciating death. So that's really where it came from. And then that, and then, you know, once I got to AA, uh, I, I had insomnia and I was up late all the time and I, my sleep patterns were all over the place. And there I was one night, you know, in 1988, late 88, maybe early 89, Gunthy Ranker, there he is, the man himself, Tony Robbins, you know, he's selling his program, a young Tony. And uh, I'm, I'm, so now I'm being introduced to the, to the personal development industry through Tony. And he was selling a program that was called personal power. And it was a 30 day program for total success. And I'm watching him and he's saying things that I actually didn't like him because he was so, so motivated, annoying. You know, he was just, he was being a pain if you ask me, but he said a couple things that got me. One, he said, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I went, wow, that's pretty profound because that's, I kind of told myself that's why I drank. I drank to either avoid pain or gain pleasure. And then one day it escaped me. It wasn't doing either one. Uh, the other thing he said is that we'll, the, the driving force in our life is we're, we're, we make decisions out of inspiration or desperation. And I remember thinking, oh man, I'm pretty desperate. So I, I bought his program. I put a hundred, I think it was $189 on my American Express card. 
And they sent me the program. And to date this, Kellen, it was interesting because it came on these little white things called cassette tapes. Right, right, <laughs> right? right. And that, right, little tiny things, right? And you, I put them in, I played them, I did exactly what the man taught me to do. And it worked. And then, so what that led to is I loaned one of my buddies in AA the okay, program. I need to, I need also to, bought Tony's book. Hold on. I need to interrupt and say sure. something because you said something really important. I just spoke at an event this weekend and it was a 90 minute speech and it was about coaching and about changing your life and about making choices to own your own accountability. And you just said, wow, wonder of wonders. I did this thing and it worked. You know, <laughs> right. I did this thing and it worked. That is such a profound thing because even in 12 steps, you know, it works if you work it, you know, that kind right. of saying that we have in that. And you said that and then moved on to further part of the story, which I want, but I couldn't let that go without saying I did the thing and it worked. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, so many people buy programs and then they never follow through. And you know what's interesting? And Tony knows that because you know what he did up front on the first tape? He says, now, listen, if you're not going to work this program, go give it to someone who is. And I thought, wow, are you talking to me? How did you know? <laughs> right? Because I would, I, I might not have followed through had Tony not said that. Um, and so I think, again, he kind of knows that that's what people are going to do. And so he he plants that seed right there in the beginning. Um, and, and so that led me. Uh, that got me into the personal development industry. And I loaned the program to my buddy, um, uh, the, you know, the cassette program. And he also bought Tony's tape, or excuse me, his book unlimited power. And then seven years later, my, my buddy called me on the phone and said, Hey, Dave, to guess what? Tony Robbins is coming to town. Come on, man. You got to go with me. You got me into this. <laughs> like, all right, I did. And so I checked my schedule and he says, great, you can go. Yes, I can go. He goes, I'll call you back. I'll make arrangements. So he did call me back an hour later and he said, done. We pick up the tickets at will call. And here's what they told us to do. We're going to spend a lot of time in the room. So bring snacks. Hydrate. You got to drink a lot of water. You're going to need to stay hydrated. Uh, he said, bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. <clears throat> and I said, Dan, how much is the ticket? He said, $700. <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, this is a 95, right? So what is that today? Seven grand? I don't know. And he said, um, and, 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 it's, and I go, Dan, look, I'll play full out. 700 bucks, not a problem. And just as he's getting ready to hang up, he goes, oh, wait, by the way, we're going to be doing a firewalk. And I kind of, I remember thinking, I, you know, I had fear come up through me and I remember thinking, what? Oh no, 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 no. We're, that's a hard no for me. Now that's all the dialogue that's going on in my head. I'm not, not saying anything to my buddy because I don't want him to think that I'm, you know, wasn't out here, if you will. And so I was just like, oh yeah, sure, Dan, great. Firewalk, sounds interesting, no problem. Hung up the phone. And I'm like, no. And you know what's interesting, Kevin? I didn't even know what a firewalk was. I had no clue. <laughs> the word saying no to fire, it, right? right, right, right. Yeah, right. I heard fire. I heard walk. I'm going, nope, not doing that. Um, and then the next thing you know, you're at the event. So Tony took the stage at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And the next thing we know, it's after midnight. We've been in a room with Tony for 10 hours. And I'm not doing it. I'm holding fast to my decision. And all of a sudden, Tony says, take your shoes off. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> no, no, you're not tricking me into that. I'm not going to do that. And all of a sudden, everybody else is taking their shoes off. And I'm like, uh-oh, this is an interesting dilemma. Because if I don't take my shoes off and I walk out there, everybody's going to see that I've got my shoes on and then I'm a coward. And I'm like, well, we can't have that. So I said, well, just take your shoes off and fake it. Well, when you when he takes you from inside the venue to outside, the first thing he does is he gets you to start chanting. So I'm with 3,500 people and we're chanting. You know, everybody's going, yes, yes. And they're clapping their hands and there's real intensity with that, as you can imagine. And then when you go outside, you go out of this big parking lot, he's got African drummers. So now you're walking out there into this rite of passage kind of ceremonial experience. And, you know, it's dun, 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 and everybody's clapping and you're engulfed. And he's got a giant fire burning over in the corner, Kellen. It's huge. It's probably 30 feet wide, 60 feet long. And they started the fire at the, you know, around two o'clock when Tony took the stage. And it's been burning all day. And so it just burns down and it renders the biggest pile of coals you've ever seen in your life. And they're beautiful. You know, the flame is like purple flame, blue flame. It's gorgeous. And so what they would do is they loaded those coals in a wheelbarrow. And then they put a wheelbarrow in between two lanes of sod, of grass, right? So the grass is about three feet wide and maybe 18 feet long. And then the wheelbarrow sitting there, they just take a flathead shovel and they sprinkle those coals onto the the grass that's what well i'm not going to do it so my strategy is just call hide in the back nobody's going to know well of course somebody's going to know first of all i'm going to know there's so, another one so i'm going to stop you to get you across that fire he, he does and i need to stop you sure. again because i want for the benefit of listeners to understand like tony in this event has created all the possible momentum and each individual just like Dave is going through their own small or large version of fear. Like Dave's describing what he was feeling, but he actually has no idea what anybody else was thinking. And I can guarantee you that everybody else was worried a little or a lot and was feeling the same kind of pressure that was created intentionally. But the pressure, and this is so important. The pressure is not for Tony Robbins to force you to do something that's damaging or harmful. Harmful. The pressure is for you to finally, maybe for the first time in your life, allow yourself to see past the collection of fears and worries. And so he's done, in this case, everything he can to allow you to see past the fear and to take those steps. And that preparation is important. And you don't have to be in a room full of 3,500 people. Learning to do that individually is the whole point of any good coaching program, firewalk program, liberation program. And so I just had that thing go through my mind of the setup not to force you to do a bad thing, but to allow you to free yourself from barriers so you can do an empowering thing. So you're gonna love this part because you just nailed it. So, right, so I go hide in the back and I'm just, that's what I'm gonna do. And and so Tony knows that, you know, all the cowards are gonna go hide in the back. So he trains people to go get you. He wants you to have this experience. He knows this is gonna be, could be one of the most life-changing experiences ever. 
And so they come looking for you. And I guess Tony trains them, look, when you see Dave or anybody like him, when you make eye contact, don't take your eyes off him. And that's what happened. This guy's coming, and all of a sudden he makes eye contact with me, and now he's coming in my direction. He probably gets 20 feet in front of me, Kellen, and he says, he kind of looks at me like with a strange look on his face. He's like, are you okay? And, of course, when we're not okay, what do we say? <laughs> I'm yeah, fine. I'm fine, right? I'm good. Oh, yeah, we're all good here, man. No problem. And all of a sudden he says, so, hey, are you going to walk tonight? And I'm like, like agitated, right? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, didn't you get the memo? And he says, hey, hey, he goes, hey, that's fine. He goes, that's not a problem. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I remember thinking, wow, I like this guy. He's going to get me out of here. And then here's a, here's a stranger. I don't know who this guy is to this day, Colin. I don't know. And, he, and he, he asked me a question that changed my life forever. And he said, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I thought, well, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Why not? Let's go watch these people burn their feet off. This should be entertaining. And he says, well, you can't see anything from here. Now, I'm standing 100 yards away from where they're actually walking. And I've got 3,500 people, 3,500 people from me. I can't see anything. I can see the big bonfire. I can hear everything, the drums, the chanting. Well, that's going on, but I, I can't see anything but a sea of people. And he said, well, you know, just get in line. And eventually you'll be able to get up there. You'll be able to see it. <laughs> he's like, okay. Now, in his defense, he's telling me the truth because I can't see anything. So I did. So I get in line, I kind of walk it along, walk it along. And all of a sudden, next thing I know, this guy comes out of nowhere. And he comes up and he whispers in my ear and he said, he knows when you're ready. When he says go, you go. And then he just went, poof. Gone. He just the night. And I'm like, what was that? Where did that come from? And, all, and I'm kind of moving along, chunking along here. And all of a sudden, I get to a point. I can't see in front of me, but I can see it at an angle. And for the first time, I look and I go, what are they doing? They're actually doing this. Every race, creed, and color. They're walking. And so now my brain's freaking because I've got no answers for this. I'm watching something I've never seen before. And I'm just enchanted. I'm just in this, I, I'm just in this zone, right? I'm just zoned completely. And I'm watching and I'm watching and I'm watching. All of a sudden, boom, there I am. Guess where I am? I'm at the front of the line. And I look down and the coals are bright red and the wheelbarrow's there. And, and there, you can feel the heat coming off, and my heart is pounding out of my chest. I am scared to death. And so I'm staring into the abyss. Well, there's a trainer standing there. And all of a sudden, the trainer goes, eyes up. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And I pulled my eyes up. Well, I'm in a room with Tony for 10 hours. Guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up. Look to the celebration end. Don't stare at what you fear. And so now it's all about physiology. Right? It's about getting you in, in, a, in a peak state to be able to do this experience. And so the trainer says, squeeze your fist and say, yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. And I, I kind of throw my hands in there. I, yes. Well, he can tell I'm still not in a peak state. So he screams at me, stronger. And so now I throw my hands into the air and I scream as loud as I can. Yes. And he goes, go, go, go. And I took off. Well, Here's the first thing I learned about firewalking. When you take the first step, kind of like life, metaphorically, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth. You're not going to stop on the coals. 
And so what he does is he, he positions two guys at the end that lock arms and they stop you. And they're like, stop, wipe your feet and celebrate. So I'm wiping my feet and I'm just kind of celebrating. And all of a sudden I, I go, oh my gosh, I've burnt myself really bad. And, I'll, and I look up my foot and I look at it. It's dirty, but there's no burns. And, oh, it's my other foot. I, I pull it up. It's dirty, but there's no burns. And so now I'm like, what just happened? Because I'm not going to do this. And I'm looking back and the coals are bright red and everybody's, you know, when you get to that side of the fire lane, the fear's on the front side, but on the back side, there's nothing but celebration that you accomplished. You just did. And I walked on coals. I was successful at it. And I had no clue how I did it. None. All I knew was I did it. Uh, so, and so now I'm Go ahead. Now yeah. I'm what? Finish that sentence. Well, so, you know, again, so now I'm like, I'm in disbelief. I just walked on coals over a thousand degrees and I don't have a clue how I did it. And I'm standing with, you know, now all these people, thousands of people who are all celebrating. And, and again, it was exhilarating. And, and, and so, you know, you go to bed that night. I didn't wash my feet. I'm like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to bed with dirty feet because I want to wake up, you know, making sure that this is real. Um, and then again, uh, you know, where, where it really took a wonderful turn for me was the next day. Because when I came into that se seminar, remember, it's a four-day event. Day one, we do the firewalk. We're going into day two. I'm standing in a four-year with 3,500 people going, what is going on? What's with these people? These people were getting along humanistically, Kellen, unlike anything I'd ever seen or witnessed in my entire life. They're laughing, they're crying, they're hugging, they're telling the story, they're talking about the firewalk. It was life-changing. You know, my whole life has changed. You know, it's just, they're talking about all their fears and how they left it out there on the coals that night. And so I'm sitting there and I'm part of something, 3,500 people, and it was just magical to be part of something so life-changing, such a such a powerful paradigm shift. And that's when my love for firewalking was born, right there within that two-day period. Um, and then from there, after completing the event, I found out Tony uses about 300 volunteers and to, you know, for every event. And so I found I could call Robin's Research in San Diego. They'd send me an application, which they did. And you fill it out, you send it back in, and you keep fingers crossed. And you're go, you know, you're hoping that they'll select you to come be part of the, the volunteer crew. So when I filled out the form, I had a military background, I had a security background, I was living on a farm, so I knew how to use a log splitter and you know tools and equipment. And so they immediately brought they they approved me, brought me in, <clears throat> and um, there I was. Uh, they put me uh, uh, almost immediately on the security detail to help take care of Tony's celebrities, which was, you know, just unbelievable. It was a lot of fun there. But they also put me on the fire building team because I had the experience of, you know, working on a farm. They thought that might come in pretty handy, and they were right. <clears throat> so that was, what, 95, 96, <clears throat> I became a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I became a sub contractor and uh, actually you know i went from a volunteer where you have to pay your way uh to actually they paid my way and they paid me a small salary and then in 2003 my life took a real turn and we were down at the atlantis hotel in um 
<clears throat> in the Bahamas. And we were doing Tony's premier event, Date with Destiny, and I was in a security role. And as soon as I got to the hotel, my phone rang, and they asked me to come to the office. And uh, Tony offered me the captain's position. And again, as I've said, um, I, originally I said, well, I can't do that. And Tony said, why? And they said, well, because I homeschool my kids. And he said, oh, wow, okay, well, I kind of missed that. Uh, wh what if we paid to have your family travel with us? Would that make a difference? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> sure it would. So next thing you know, my six-year-old daughter and my nine-year-old son and my wife and I are on the road with Tony Robbins. In fact, um, and, and again, I, I was his fire captain. And and, and my, my, my kids, my daughter was six years old the first time she firewalked. My son was nine. And so there we were for, you know, how many years traveling all over the world, internationally, all over the United States, you know, and, and, and they were part of watching us firewalk hundreds of thousands of people. So I have some questions sure. that I want to I want to take these experiences now, especially, you know, you had your kids young and you did that. You overcame this fear and you watched thousands upon thousands of other people have the same thing in this life-changing experience. This show is intended to inspire, to invite, to help people understand that they have divine gifts and that mm. our greatest development comes when we find those gifts and use them in love and service. Yep. So when you think about the gift that you've given people or assisted in giving people to help them realize they can do impossible things, what what I think I want to you just tell me about your kids. So what is the effect on them? Because they had early because I didn't start my changes and journey till I was 52. I can't even okay. imagine understanding that sort of experience young. So tell me what has happened to them or other youngsters that you've seen that have had this kind of empowering opportunity early in life. Well, you know, once once they once they participate in the experience, uh, you know, you, you, they can't undo it, is what I say, because I, I like to say all the time, and I think I've heard you say this on some of your podcasts, is that, you know, finding that divine purpose, right? So yep. I think the two most important times of your life is the moment you were born and the moment you figure out why. And I think you mentioned the other day on one of your podcasts, you were talking about Gay Hendricks and you were talking about the big leap right. and living in that zone of genius and living in that zone of excellence, right? So that we learn the difference between... Uh, the art and science of achievement versus fulfillment. So with regard to my kids, uh, my daughter was six years old, right? So we were at an event. Uh, my son's there. We're all there. So we walked all the participants. Tony knew that my kids were next. And they were kind of standing over in the shadows. And as soon as we walked all the participants, Tony motioned them over. And, they, and my daughter stepped up. And I took her by the hand. He took her by the other hand and walked her across the fire. No fear. Six-year-old kid, boom, done, right? My son steps up to the fire lane. Uh, he's nine years old at this point. Tony looks at him and he says, I love you and I love your daddy. Go. <laughs> and so across the fire he went. And so today my son's 30 years old. My daughter's 27. Uh, my daughter just gave birth to my second grandchild. Uh, Congratulations. Charlotte Ray. Thank you. Right. You know, right. It's like, I do. was that joke? If I'd have known how, if I'd have known how great grandkids were going to be, I'd have had them first. Right. Um, right. So uh, my daughter's fulfilled her dream. She's, she's always been in love with animals. When we grew up on our, on our farm, she was 4-H and she had, 
She had them all. You know, she took care of cows and goats and horses and pigs and ducks and chickens. I mean, she had, you know, she would have had lions and tigers and bears about a letter. Um, so she, her ultimate dream job is she wanted to be a vet tech. And that's what she does today. My son built his first computer when he was 12. And so when we finished homeschooling, he's like, Dad, I don't know what I want to do. I'm not going to college yet. So uh, there was no pressure on our part. I'm not pushing them to do anything until they want until they tell me what they want to do. Then I'll support them and help them. But I'm you know, I'm not one of these that's going to think I'm going to live vicariously through my kids. I'm not doing that to them. I want them to do what they want to do because I knew they would figure it out. Well, sure. One day my son goes, Dad, I know what I want to do. What? Computer science, computer, computer engineering. Great. So he had to go back. He had to go back to uh, Caldwell County uh, uh, College, a community college. And, and and when he went back, they wouldn't accept because we're in a different state. They wouldn't accept his homeschool from Virginia because now we're in North Carolina. So they said, you've got to go back and get the equivalent of this GED. That's going to take you two years. Davey went, no, it's not. He completed it in six months. Wow. And then from there, he went to App State University. He got accepted to App State, which is where we live. I live in the northwestern part of the state of North Carolina. Uh, my daughter lives 20 minutes to the west of me uh, with my grandkids. Uh, my son lives in Boone, North Carolina, 25 minutes to the east of me. And Davey just landed his absolute dream job. He applied. There were 1,500 applicants, and they chose him. So, yes, my kids have been programmed for total success. They lived in that environment. They understand the positivity. They understand the mindset. They understand, you know, how, you know, the the motivation and the the, the really the self worth. I think it really boils down because we've ooh, driven ooh. that home into them that they stop, are stop, worthy. stop. Yes, yes, yep. yes. Self worth. We're, we're coming. Your stories are fascinating. Your examples are perfect. And now I want to bring it home. We're coming. To up to our 30 minutes. And I know that flies by really quickly and it's yes. not a hard line, but here's what I want you to, to end with. With all of the love in your heart, I want you to impress upon anyone who's listening the reason self-worth and understanding who you are is so important and how when you have that and figure out why, as you said, there's nothing you can't do. So end with that. One of the one of the people that I when I'm on stage and I do my events, I, I put a picture of a man behind me on the screen <clears throat> and it's it's clearly a, a man standing at the top of Mount Everest. And I just kind of leave it up there. I don't say much about it until I get to a certain point, because I tell people, look, here's the because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I and I'll say right off the bat, I'll say, look, you better get something figured out. You, you're not going to get to the end of your life and go, wow, I really messed up. I should have spent more time making money and less time with my family. That is not going to happen. So you better understand how important it is to balance achievement with fulfillment. Because if you get to the end and you're not fulfilled, guess what? That's failure. So what I'm, what I'm, you know, I'm just emphasizing to get around that everything that happens in our life, and I know you know this, Kelly, you've talked about it in your podcast, I've heard it, um, is that everything that happens, we create a story. So that story better be a good one. Right. Because you've got your hand on the on and off switch and you got your hand on the volume control. So we either created a story that was this or we create a victim story. And 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 so create a story of magnificence. And so as I'm talking along and I kind of 
and I'm alluding to all these kinds of things about self-worth, self-confidence, self-belief in yourself. You can do whatever you decide you want to do. I, I, I point to the picture and I said, who here can tell me where this gentleman's standing? By the way, his name's Eric. Oh, he's standing at the top of Mount Everest. That's right, he is. And by the way, let me let me share something that that man right there, the, uh, the picture behind you is Eric Weinmeier, and he's climbed the seven highest mountains on earth. And put him in a kayak, he can navigate just about any river in, in the world. He just did the the uh, the gorge in, in um, the Grand Canyon. Put him on a mountain bike, the boy will tear it up. And here's what's interesting. Here's what you don't know about Eric. He's blind. So I don't want to hear it. The, you know, I, what, did, what did Henry Ford tell us? If we think we can, or we think we can't, we're right. So one of the last things I like to say to people is that, look, stop looking for heroes and just be one. I want to finish with telling everybody how they can find you, Dave. Uh, people want to read more, hear more. Uh, tell us where your stuff is so people can find you and connect. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, just www.firewalkadventures.com. Everything's there. My contact information, my calendar's there. Uh, I'm all about the different experience, the fire walking, glass walking, board break, brick breaks, arrow breaks, rebar bending, all the extreme corporate team building experiences are there with explanations and photos and videos. And then I also have what's called the Dave Albin Firewalk Academy. That's coming up in October. So if you're a life coach or you, uh, you, you know, you're a big corporation and you want to send somebody to our academy, we'll train them, we'll send them back into your company, and they'll be able to facilitate these experiences uh, for your own company. Or again, if you're a life coach and you want to add that dynamic uh, to your, or one of the, you know, an arrow to your quiver, if you will, uh, we'll teach you how to you know, firewalk and do get on stage, do the storytelling, do it, do it all. So it's a, it's an incredible um, uh, experience. It's five days. It's coming up in October. And the, the link is on the, on the website as well. Dave, I want to thank you. It's been fabulous. Your stories are great. I love the intensity. And I love the fact that the truth is manifest in everyone, the dude on the mountain and in each individual listener in your own heart. So thank you. You're welcome. And, and I want to say one other thing, and I love the fact that you're out there thinking that you're going to uh, influence 10 million people. And one of the one of your friends in your circle of influence said, Kellen, you're shooting too low. Go for 50. So if there's anything I can do to help uh, move that forward, I'm, I'm all in with you there. Thank you. I want listeners, I want you to listen to this a couple of times at least, maybe three or four. Take some notes and decide where are you playing small? Where are you refusing to take an action because you think whatever's going on in your life is keeping you from making success? I promise you, if you do that, you'll be able, you actually will be able to move ahead and create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart in the sky and your